the Blake Street banter where one of us knows what the word banter means, the other two, one, one. It's just along for the ride. Kirk. Jim, say hi. Hey. This whole missing Kirk is messing with my vibe, man. I think it's uh, messing with everybody's vibe. We need more Kirk positive vibes in this. Kirk, come back, man. Stop being so busy. Yeah, and just to clarify, Kirk's fine. He's uh, he's just out doing big boy stuff. It's all the time. Makes me makes me question some of my choices I'm making. <sighs> you know, just that midlife crisis. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, you know what is a big deal? MLB lockout. Yeah, and the yeah, owners. And the owners are just a bunch of old crackpots that suck. Just absolutely suck. Yeah, it's um, – I really want to know what they're planning because they announced the lockout and then didn't come to the table for three months. And then they said, hey, why didn't you come to the table for three months? And they said, well, Manfred specifically said, well, we've been here the last 10 days. Oh, okay, well, thanks, bud. <laughs> Did you watch his presser? Uh, no, I, I honestly couldn't stomach it. So I just kind of got the highlights, but I mean, it was ugly. I watched it. I'm like, no, dude, man was smiling halfway through it, giggling before and after making jokes to the press when they're asking their questions. It's just all signs of a man that had every inclination to not get a deal done in this time. Like he, well, what's the motivation? There is, I mean, money. Like, owners are going to lose out on money. They need the money. Like we said a few previous time, like, they, the owners make a lot of money from spring training. But they, they're going to miss I out know, on games. I mean, like, what, what's Manfred's motivation, you know? If he's out there smiling, not really giving an F about, about much. I mean, he's really not making the choices, right? He's just the voice of the owners. He's not the one yeah, saying no. Yes, uh, simplistically put, I mean, he's just he's just in the owner's mouthpiece. Right. He's just a liaison between the owners and the rules of the game. But in theory, shouldn't he be advocating for the best interests of the game and not the owners? I don't, I don't know enough about the position to know if there's anything in there, in theory, that says that he needs to be kind of like this middle person that's just advancing the game. Or is he truly just the owner's little little puppet? And that's the way it's always been. I don't know. Yeah. He, the commissioner is chosen by a vote of the owners of the team. The incumbent MLB commissioner is Rob Manfred, who has assumed office of 2015. So what he does, he's the CEO of MLB. This is straight from Wiki, so you know it's legit. He maintains the sports umpiring crew, negotiates marketing, labor, and television contracts. So if he's the one negotiating, right, so there is a little bit more to his to his title than I originally thought. He's more than a mouthpiece, right? He'd have to be. I mean, yeah, technically, but 
in practice, in order to become the commissioner, if somebody's ambition is to be just a commissioner, like a Roger Goodell type, right? Like right, this dude's right. just out of the womb. I'm going to be a commissioner and I'm going to accomplish that by placating and, you know, satisfying the owner's every single need. So clearly, I mean, that's all he does. I mean, and obviously he doesn't care about the best interest of the game because this is hurting the game. So, you know, it's just. Um, <laughs> this is fun. So Baseball Almanac describes MLB commissioner as required to keep the business of Major League Baseball running. So he failed. <laughs> Do you to play devil's advocate? No way in shape or form am I on the owner's side. However, Manfred, being the voice of the owners of all 30 teams, right? He has to get he has to be the voice of the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has to be the voice of the Baltimore Orioles and the Colorado Rockies. Aren't they fighting for a different things? Aren't they gonna want different things as owners? Yeah, um, some of them are, but I mean, it's amongst the owners, it's it's a democracy, right? So if 18 of the owners want one thing and the others want this other thing, then don't they lose out? Right. But so, wow, there is a lot to it. And it's annoying. I, I, I'm happy the players did not succumb to the owners. Well, let's just standing still. Standing strong. Let's just back up a second and kind of recap where we're at. So my understanding is, is that where we're at is progress was made a day before the deadline. They extended the deadline. Progress was made a day before. And then they came back to the table after 17 hours of, of negotiation and then they agreed on some really cool things which is the universal dh they agreed on a draft lottery like the nba does um but then the big difference to my understanding is that the players weren't willing to budge on the low the low ball that owners wanted to give young players that That's is my understanding one. and then there's uh the cbt money is off a lot too i mean i can't help but sympathize and appreciate the players having the backs of the young guys because if you listen to our last pod it's we went off on on minor league salaries and the reality is is that if you want to advance the development of the game, you want to advance the game in all kinds of phases, you need to have some type of system where your developmental players can earn a living wage of some kind. I mean, a living wage, we're not asking that minor leaguers make 60K a year. Right. I mean, 30K, 35K, somewhere in there, can get the job done at the lower levels for sure. My first job um, as a recruiter traveling around, I was on salary because if I wasn't on salary and I was paid hourly, 
I would have made Buku bucks because technically with road time and hotel stays and all of that, that's technically work time. That's not fun time. That's work time. I'm away yeah. from my friends and my family and minor leaguers travel every single day almost except for long home stands. Right. So right. that's not, they're on a bus. It's not hard work, but it's not fun by any means. That's work time. So yeah, I, I agreed to that salary type system because it would be 60 plus hours a week. And that's totally fine because it benefits, benefits me as somebody that's trying to come up through my career and it benefits my employer because they can just pay me a salary and then everything outside of that hours work doesn't matter. And so that's how the lower, the developmental system should be. And it should just be a livable wage for these guys. Yeah, but none of that's being discussed right now. Like none of that's part of this new CBA. They're no, trying, it's not. They're trying to they're trying to bump up the minimum salary in the major leagues, right? Which they're not even they're not even raising the prices due to inflation or anything. The salary is not prices. The salary in relation to the inflation. Think about Juan Soto. Think about Juan motherfucking Soto or Nolan Arenado or these guys, these rookie salary players that make $600,000. Bare minimum, they make that at minimum for three years because of arbitration, right? Mm -hmm. They don't get a pay raise. They don't get any performance bonuses or anything like that. It is the standard rookie contract for two to three years before they hit arbitration. How much money do you think our friend Monfort has made off of Nolan Arenado's in like their first two years. Oh, what, 30, 25, 30 million Arenado's first season? Yeah, but you have to realize, you know, it's tough out here for these owners, bro. You love that line, and I love the fact that you love that line. <laughs> It's tough out here, man. I mean, I, it's so they could have just put weird. all their billions into into a into a money market CD or something, and the market would have outperformed their profits. It's because so apparently, ridiculous. you know, it's so ridiculous. God forbid, God forbid you uh, fulfill a fantasy of of owning a team, and then lose a dollar, or you know what, even only gain a couple dollars, you know. That's not that's not enough. Our our profits got to be ten percent plus. Which you know, owning a team, I don't know, man. It's just it's hard out here. I understand that it is one hundred percent of business, and Manfred and, and company are there to keep the business running and look out for the business side of owners, but the game is the game and we love the game because it's competitive in nature. And, you know, it, it brings people together. It gives people something positive to, to look forward to and do with their time. I mean, anybody that's played the game knows how much it's given, given us as people, you know, as an individual that didn't necessarily have a strong support group growing up, sports was like taught me, you know, so many valuable lessons. Everything. I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure you agree. And even being a fan, you learn a lot of valuable lessons. But I mean, my point, my point being is that it shouldn't be so business centric all of the time. Yes, you have to, you know, 
end up in the black more often than you're ending up in the red. I get that from an owner's perspective, but the system that we're in now is just, is just pure greed. And then you look at somebody like, like Monfort who has never cared about winning ever. He's always cared about that business bottom line. And so as Rockies fans, like we're just used to that status quo of, of being so business centric all the time, not really caring about the game, just trying to do, you know, what's going to be the best profit margin. Right. Coors Field is the best bar 82 days a year. And there was a really good, yeah. I mean, 81. we, we beat, yeah, we beat the drum all the time of, of why it shouldn't be this way in Colorado, but um, just in general, like it's just, it's really just gross and it's ruining a game that we as fans love. And, you know, I hope that this gets sorted out and we can start the season, you know, um, we can start the season sooner rather than later. But the reality is, is that we're already going into a shortened season and that cheapens some things. What happens when the Rockies finally got a guy on the bump and he's pushing 20 games? He might be our first 20 game winner. We might not be able to have that now, that important milestone that we love and celebrate as fans because it's shortened now. But we're going to have a 14-team playoff to make up for it. Well, Lottie <laughs> freaking da. I, 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 I agree with everything you're saying. It's, it's just annoying. And it's frustrating because the owners would lose absolutely $0 in agreeing to a higher minimum wage. And I think that and the luxury tax threshold is the biggest thing the player union is fighting for. And the owners are just not making any concessions on those at all. And it comes down to greed. And it sucks and it's annoying and it's stupid. Uh, I think I I want to get off that horse. You ready to jump off that horse? Yeah, I'm ready. It's stupid. So you were bringing up a very good point about – why we would still continue watching. Why would we still support an MLB product after this is all said and done? Why would we still be giving money to Monfort and Fred? And I asked you that question and I want you to think about it. I am going to give you my answer of why am I going to be a baseball fan after this? Why am I going to be an MLB Colorado Rockies fan after this? It is because of the memories, nostalgia. It is what you said those lifelong friendships, I think you and I are best friends because of baseball. I had no idea who you are until we, I coached you, and that's where our friendship started, right? And then we made those connections. Kirk, Kirk was part of that. Like, these, my entire life has revolved around baseball. My mom's best friend growing up is because he, me and my, her son, the other kid, mother's mom son played baseball together for 15 years it's everything and so when the colorado rockies decided to show up in 1993 in western nebraska three hours away as an eight-year-old i'm diving all in mom can take me to a game mom can hang out with me and we can talk baseball and have those memories i still remember mile high stadium watching the marlins marlins versus the rockies that inaugural season for both of them and that's why I will always be a Rocky fan. And that's why I will continue to support this league, this team after this. 
And it sucks because no matter what I spend money on, it goes to that dude man's bottom line. But it is what it is, right? It's yeah, I mean that's I mean that's the agreement. Essentially, our fandom and your ownership is a social contract that I'm willing to to help your bottom line for these invaluable things that I'm gaining back. You know, the friendships, the nostalgia, the I'll never forget my first game at Coors Field. Todd Helton hit for the cycle. I didn't really understand. I was so young. I didn't understand what the cycle meant, like learning about how rare that is and everything. Like it just I fell in love with the game instantly. Right. Um, and so you're willing to, to gain invaluable things like that to, to pay a, a certain and reasonable price for a product that you're getting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when greed kind of intersects, intercepts all of that everybody lose out the players the fans um the owners maybe not as much obviously because i mean you have to imagine that the owners have done a cost benefit analysis and they've they've oh, they decided they have a number right oh yeah um, they have a number yeah they there's a very large purpose and i'm not quite sure what it is but why mlb didn't come to the table for three months yeah, they're they're strong army. They're trying to they're trying to assert their dominance and get everything they want and put all the pressure on the PA. Like that's what Manfred did last yesterday with his presser. The entire buildup over the last forty eight hours before yesterday was doing everything and what made it look like the owners doing what they could to make the players look bad. And yeah. It was so transparent. It was so phony of the owners to think that we would buy into that. It's, it, it, was, it was so annoying. Make me hate them, get frustrated with them even more. Yeah, and this, this whole negotiation process, it, it really is a microcosm of larger just capitalists versus no, workers. Yeah. It really is a microcosm of that. and. I mean, we see these things play out in all types of industries, right? Um, so I ask you, you know, what's the alternative? And the only alternative players have, I mean, obviously they can wait out the owners because there is a certain timeline where the owners know that they're no longer going to, let alone make their money back, but be in the red in the season. And so it's just who's going who's gonna to blink first, right? Right. But the only... Alternative is that the players start start their own type of league, which in today's world is unthinkable with stadiums and all of that. But there's actually precedent before, and I sent you this article. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it at all, but I have not. Um, no. Back back in back in 1890, mm. um, there was a labor dispute, and the players actually started their own league, um, and it was kind of. From everything that I've read about it, it's it's a little bit messy, but it actually drew in more fans than what the owners at the time were capable of doing. And it only lasted one season um, because, again, it was waiting out owners and affecting their bottom line so so greatly that they had to come back to the table and work something out. So there's a I don't expect this to go on forever. And that's the reason I bring all this up is because. I don't, I think we'll have a season of some kind. It's just going to be a shortened season and it's going to cheapen everything about the game. And it's, it's, it's really just disheartening to me, but as fans, you know, like I could sit here and get as worked up and 
talk about it till I'm blue in the face, but ultimately what can I do about it? Yeah. Did yeah, <laughs> that's the biggest thing. I saw this cry and I'm kind of curious your take on it. This cry to cancel your MLB subscription before it auto renewed. Like it was gonna it was supposed to renew on Monday or Tuesday or something and the Twitter sphere, the the online saw, people were saying yeah, I saw a big your push. subscription. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on that? Um, I can think of it from the owner's perspective that it it really doesn't matter because as soon as the season starts, those subscriptions are going to fire right back up. And it doesn't matter if the season's shortened or not, and that's what they're betting on for sure. Um, from the player side of things, I think that they appreciate any type of solidarity that they can get with fans. So I'm sure players would say, well, it's not going to hurt anything. So go ahead and make that push. But I don't think owners are going to be affected by it in the short term. Right. They MLB actually sent an email saying we will not charge your account until we have a deal in place. So another yeah, PR, okay. so, a PR yeah, move. So, so even, even better. Being mute, yeah. Right? yeah. I, I did not delete our, our, <laughs> our subscription at all. Based on what you said, no player asked me to cancel it. Nobody said, hey, you should – nobody that was in the meetings that said, hey, you should do this. And then, good for you. Yeah, if, if the you players did. come out tomorrow – if the players come out tomorrow and say, hey, fans, if you want to make a difference, here, here's what you can do, and then here's some action items, then, um, by God, I would go do that. But I exactly. really don't think there's much – I don't think that there's much that we can do. And I would love to hear other people's perspective on that. So if you're listening, please let us know. But – at the end of the day, this is a this is a long game, and there's a certain there's a certain deadline for owners, um, players, and us. Obviously, don't know what it is, but once we start approaching that, that's when owners will finally kind of cave. Yeah, I really because it seems like the players the players aren't going to blink on this issue for minor leaguers, and right. I think it's admirable. But um, ultimately, these guys are going to have to to feed their families right so right they're going to need their paycheck and at a certain point those lower guys won't be able to do that as easily right well minor leaguers i mean you hear about guys all the time that are moonlighting as uber drivers yeah that are doing all kinds of crazy stuff to try to earn a little it's gotta be weird for a minor leaguer, right the minor leaguers are going to play a normal season as is when the league that they're trying to make isn't functioning, isn't playing, isn't doing anything it's supposed to. That's, that and communication is already weird. Yeah, it's really weird. And it's communication, especially for a guy that's not considered a top prospect, communication is already really low. And job security is really low. You have no idea where you're going to end up. You have no idea if you're going to get cut. And so – the only thing you can do is work a side hustle until the time being and um, stay in shape as best you can. I'll give you a really good example. I lived in Waterloo, Iowa, and I played in an adult baseball league. And so I would go to this big rec center and I would just do some side pitching and stuff just for fun and, you know, gear up for the adult league that I pay to play in. <laughs> right. Uh, well, anyway, one of the guys working there, um, 
came over and started talking to me about pitching. And then I asked him what he does. And he told me that he's in the minor league system for the Pittsburgh pirates. And of course, at first I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit and I'm like, yeah, right. But the guy's a really nice guy. He tells me his name. And of course, you know, I go baseball reference him and no joke. The dude was one of his, he pitched at George Washington in DC and he's back in Iowa just training. Cause that's where his family's from. Got drafted all of that noise. And yeah, he was, but I asked him as so I was like, okay, on the up se- upcoming season, you know, what's your plans? What are you doing? He's like, I have no idea. And it ended up, they just ended up not inviting him back to minor league camp. And so uh, I think he tried to go play indie ball um, to get back into things, but that wasn't a normal, normal labor year. Right. And like that dude has no idea what's going on, has no job security at all. And I understand the dynamics of being a, a baseball player, they buy into that. They agree to that before they get into it. I understand, but I can't imagine an environment where I have to go to work every day. And I just don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to come back tomorrow. Exactly. That's so weird. And then the whole 40 man thing, our, our boy Noah Davis, he got the call, right? Super stoked. He's safe. And then dude cannot catch a break and <laughs> just waiting around working out striking out Connor Joe and his friends in, in some ball field in California but yeah that's all that's all they can do and good for them for. that are able to do that but what about the guys that you know there's gonna be a lot of guys that end up not getting an opportunity that might have otherwise um and that may be of their own their own fault but a lot of it's going to be out of their control because this whole labor issue so it's just it's just ugly for for everybody involved except for the owners it's not really that ugly for the owners right they just not at all they're still going to make money when this is all said and done and whatever it's annoying yep and as long as manfred comes out there and does the mouthpiece and gets the tv deal then Practicing his golf backswing like a jackass. Job security is no issue. Yep, not for these guys. Saw so a list. There's 15 of the owners are generational owners. They receive. They have the team because of their parents or grandparents before them, which is a whole another generational wealth bullshit thing. Well, but, no, and there is this. There is these Twitter. Um, you saw it on our baseball fantasy baseball group text, this um, spam campaign on Twitter that was arguing that uh, billionaires, the owners are actually in the right because they've actually earned, they've actually done something to earn their billions where the players are just playing a kid's game. And it's so funny. Yeah. It's just so funny because if you actually dive into billionaires, you know, again, baseball is just a microcosm of a larger issue, which is billionaires they make their money by exploiting people and yep. most of their money was given to them through generations. I dude, the idea that somebody can be a billionaire and somehow they earned it on hard work is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> right. You've exploited people to a certain extent or provided some type of some type of thing that really just took off. I mean, Jeff Bezos, for example, 
I don't know. I can go off about this whole thing, but <laughs> the idea that a billionaire um, just worked harder than everybody. No, no. There's, Sorry. No. didn't happen. There's always more. And, to then, it. and then when people that actually know things about the games, know things about the game, like a Derek Jeter, for example, he just, the news came out today or oh, yesterday. Boy. Yeah. He got basically froze out because of a $15 million dispute with, his co-owners and he just said screw it i can't take it anymore and he's done yeah so the power structure in in baseball is is ridiculous um let's have fun you want to talk about something fun yeah i do it's been a hot minute since we've done this rockies pod obviously we are continuing to put out the fantasy pod uh continuing to put out the prospect pod so things that we haven't talked about bud black signed a one-year extension He's now signed with us with the Rockies through 2023. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, we we like Bud. Bud is a is he's a player's coach and um he's competent. He I don't think he's given a, been given a lot to work with and he's very competent. So I I like having Bud around. He claims the third most wins in franchise history, right behind Hurdle and Don Baylor. Um, and he will, he's two wins shy of becoming the 66th manager to win a thousand games. So, fun back, fun back for another year. You want to know another fun fact? Please tell me, fun facts. Um, so, um, per a Washington Post report, um, Manfred takes home 11 million per year. Whoa. It's probably a little bit higher than that. I think that's on the low end. Some some estimations, celebrity net worth, which is usually way too high, has him at 30 mil. So let's just assume the the low end that he takes 11 million per year. Um, if you divide that by 35,000, which I would consider a low livable wage, I know there's a lot of people surviving on less, um, but you know, 35 is what I started out on seven years ago. Um, divide that by 35K um, and then divide it by 25 because of, you know, 25-man roster. His salary could pay for 12, 12 teams, 12 minor league teams for a year. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh. I don't know. Take that. I mean, take that for what it is, what it is. Right. Yeah. It's part of the system. It's the way the system's built. But yeah, that's gross. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess my point is, is that we're not going to expect a guy that's taken home 11 mil to, to have the, do that. Right. To have that single a pitcher that's trying to grind his way up, you know, have a lot of empathy for a guy like that. There's also that argument I saw something about Max Scherzer is missing out on $200,000 per day by not agreeing to these terms. And why would he do that? Why isn't he just accepting it? And he's going out of his way and not accepting that because he wants it better for the rest of the players, the rest of the union, rest of the, the guys that went through what he did to get there. So you also have that side of it too. Right. Well, as any yeah, as any smart superstar player, they they better have a money guy that's 
better have a money guy that's telling him, you know, this whole thing's going to end soon. So you better put some away. And so I think that he's yeah. just comfortable. Yeah. He's very comfortable okay. where he's, where he's at. And he knows that at the end of the day, his quality of life isn't going to suffer at all, but still, yes, that's, it's a, it's a great thing that players like him aren't, aren't caving for their paychecks. So. Exactly. That's, that's it. All right. Yeah. Fun time. Let's end it with this. If you could make a three man rotation, let's say you have a, best of three series and you go all three in Rockies history, which three pitchers are you going to take? De La Rosa for sure. You're taking De La Rosa? Of course. Okay. So let's start with your game one starter. You're going De La Rosa? Yeah, I think I am, especially if it's at Coors Field. Okay. I would be taking Ubaldo, prime Ubaldo. Okay, 2010 Ubaldo. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. I know. For sure. Yep. Okay, yeah. Hashtag humble. <laughs> so De La Rosa for you, Ubaldo for me. Who's your game two starter? Probably 17-game winner, Jeff Francis. We agree on that one. Okay. <laughs> Jeff Francis is going to be my number two, friend of the pod. Okay. Uh, it's just – He's got the experience, right? He's, he's just a G. He can do it. Yeah, savvy. He's going to puke before the game, but <laughs> yes, he will. He's going to get it done. That was a fun little tidbit he did. Uh, your game three, everything's on the line, everything for the marbles. Who are you putting out there on the bump? I'm going to – this is going to be unpopular, but I'm going to take a guy with a lot of moxie. I need somebody with a lot of heart and a lot of moxie. He's going to grind it out. Josh Hogg? Nope. Pedro Estacio. Pedro Estacio. I did not see that one coming. Underrated, Pedro. The the ERA wasn't pretty, but, man, that dude had a heart when he pitched. He was fun to watch. I remember his he made. He was one of the reasons I fell in love with, with Rockies baseball. I thought he was – I thought he was the best pitcher on earth yeah. before I knew how to get into stats. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, there's other teams. But – and the Coors effect and all that. But, like, he pitched in those prime – those prime pre-Humidor days. Yeah. His numbers so are not I, that good. Yeah, you're right. It's crazy. That's a, that's a good one. I would be – I'm going with – Herman. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, that's uh, a good pick. You know, one we have now, Herman. Thought about maybe Aaron Cook, just because he is that dude, De La Rosa. But Herman, is, he, he's got moxie. His stuff plays. Yeah. Yours is, yours is like the Cadillac, the Cadillac pick, the, the sexy pick, you know. Yeah. Yours is the wild Yours card. is the new – yeah. Yours is that new Cadillac or Mercedes out there, and my pick's kind of like that that Toyota Camry, you know? It's it's, it's going to work hard. It's not going to be the sexiest thing on the block, but it's going to work hard for you. But if the light hits it just right and the sounds, sound is just right, it's yeah. going to be pretty for about seven innings. Dependable. Yeah, and then you could put your spoiler on it, and maybe we'll throw some lights underneath. Add a little moxie to it, right? 
Yeah. Put a put a Hemi on it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done talking cars. That was talking cars with BSB. Uh, we don't know what we're talking about. I want to – Pedro Stasio's numbers are crazy. So, 1997, he had a 425 ERA. His ERA plus was 122. He had a 504 ERA in 1999. His ERA plus was 115. Yeah, a, those were those pre – those pre-humidor days, dude. Above league average, but none of the traditional stats would have said he he did. Two hundred plus innings, almost three out of the four year five years he was here. Yeah, rubber arm. Jeez, oh, dude, that was awesome. Seventeen game winner in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. Let us know who's on your your three rotation. Who's on your three? Who are you putting out there? Game one, game two, game three. Put it in the the Twitter sphere. Send us an email, whatever. Send, shoot, send us a voicemail with your answer. That'd be fun. Just record him a little memo. Send it to blakestreetbanter at gmail dot com. We'll add to the next pod. It'll be fun. Uh, I'll take a memo, a fax, Pony Express, anything. Morse code. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. It's more fun that way. So hopefully you got through this just fine with us ranting and sounding like we know what we're talking about. Pro player side, pay the people, owners suck, and it's going to suck giving Munford our money soon, but it's bound to happen. Until then, we have minor league baseball starts. You have your college local ball. You went to Emporia, your your local ball team game? Nope. I, I knew you did it. Nope, I didn't. I drove in the parking lot. I drove in the parking lot, and I, it was right in between games. And so you turned around. Yeah, so I was like, I, I got to bounce. And then you lied to me. Okay. Uh, I, cool. I didn't lie to you. I did I did pay attention to the game. I just wasn't there. Uh, so you do have college ball. You can go watch local college ball. So there is still the beautiful game out there. Go find it. Send us your best pictures. Tag us BSB. And just let's just have fun together. And if you haven't heard it, Duke and Darnell Week is here. It's almost over. Banter session just dropped re- last week. Uh, the Duke and Darnell song by John Snodgrass dropped. Uh, just a good time. We are out here good, giving good vibes on really bad days. So, yeah. And oh. um, I just want you to know, in 1999, Pedro Stasio pitched seven complete games, and that wasn't good enough to lead the league. It's crazy. I miss those days. Seven complete games. Give me a pitcher that can give me 220 every year. That's nuts. Yeah, Love it that. is. Well, this is brought to you by Pedro Ostasio. We love you. Go Rock! Woo! Woo!